0: Amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us this morning. <clears throat> God bless you guys. I think if I mention Michael Jordan, every single one of us would know who he is in here. Do you guys know who Michael Jordan is? Slip a hand up real quick. If you don't, welcome to earth, all right? Michael Jordan is one of the greatest NBA basketball players that has ever stepped on the hardwood floor. And when I was coming up, every single person wanted to be just like Mike. In fact, Gatorade picked up on this, and Gatorade actually pushed a massive marketing campaign to encourage people to be like Mike. I don't know if you guys remember the first commercial, so let me just show it to you very quickly if y'all take a look at this. Sometimes I dream that he is me Got to see that's how I dream to be i dream I dream, I move. I dream, I dream, I dream. Mike, if I could be like Mike, I wanna be like Mike, like Mike. when I was in middle school there wasn't one kid who didn't want the Nike Air Jordans to drink Gatorade and every single one of us hung our tongue out when we jumped in the air and slammed on our six-foot goal can I get a witness on that everybody wanted to be like Mike that was just the encouraged emphatic statement of every single person who played basketball now that's perfectly fine whenever you consider emulating someone in the context of sports but my question for you this morning is Who are you emulating in your walk with the Lord? You know, Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of individuals who walk by faith as they follow the Lord. And the Bible says that they surround us like a great cloud of witnesses, encouraging us, spurring us on to walk in with the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are individuals that we should emulate. And one of the persons that are mentioned there is actually Noah. And I will tell you this morning, Noah is an individual that you can emulate. In fact, Noah is an individual that if you will emulate some three uh, very simple principles in your life, it can become a momentum shifter, a game changer in your life. So we want to look at that this morning as we continue to look at the real story of Noah. So Genesis chapter 6 in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles with you, say amen. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. So let me encourage you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we look at Noah A man that we can emulate some truths that we can learn from his life verse 13 the Bible says then God said to Noah the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them and behold I am about to destroy them with the earth make for yourself an ark of gopher wood you shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch and this is how you should make it the length of the ark 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top. And set the door of the ark in the side of it, and you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life exists. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And as for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Let's bow together. Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. And God, whenever it comes to our spiritual lives, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we seek to follow hard after those who have already blazed a trail of faith. Help us to exercise the principles that can become game changers in our life. And Father, I pray that you would place the Scripture into our hearts today and allow each man and woman alike raise up in their own minds and hearts a grand desire to walk after you. God, we glorify what you're going to do today. And thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in your holy name that we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So you guys go ahead and be seated. So we're going to talk this morning about how to be more like Noah. Three major principles that you can apply. And I'm serious, if you'll apply these, I'm confident they'll be a game changer for you. So here goes the very first one. I want you to know Noah was in tune to God. Noah was in tune to God. Now do not forget Noah lived in a keep God out kind of culture. But it was in the context of this dark culture that Noah actually was in tune with the Lord. He was communicating with him. He was hearing from God. And God came to him and God said, Noah, I need you to do me something. I need you to build an ark. Now, whenever we read this story, you and I have seen it a thousand times, I'm sure, if we've grown up in church. But I want you to consider just a moment the ark. How large was this ark? God said specifically in the Bible that the link of the ark Was to be 300 cubits its breadth 50 cubits its height 30 cubits high now in study I actually learned what a cubit measurement was in those particular days uh, they didn't have measuring uh, skills like you and I did so they actually used their arms and a cubit was the length between a man's elbow and the very tip of his middle finger so on average a cubit was around 18 inches So whenever you figure that out mathematically, that meant that the ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. We have a picture of the ark uh, this morning that I took this past week. I found the ark and snapped this for you today. But this ark is really a great picture. It gives us the imagery that the ark literally was the size of a football field and a half. So this was a massive ark. But then God said to Noah, not only do I want you to build this massive cruise liner ship, but I also want you to know that there are going to be two of every kind of animal that's going to come to you, and you're going to take care of them, male and female. The scripture says, every living thing of all flesh shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. It shall be male and female, of the birds of their kind, the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Now, the Hebrew word for kind literally speaks of type. Now, this is huge, all right, because there are many people who doubt the reality of the story of Noah because they say there's absolutely no in the world that all of the animals could have fit upon the ark. If you think today there's around 6.5 million species on the earth, how in the world are six and a half million species actually gonna fit onto this particular ark? But I was uh, doing some study this past week and actually ran across some great help from Ray Comfort, which I placed in your notes this morning, to encourage you to take a look at the YouTube video uh, just in simply entitled Noah. You'll learn a ton of stuff about the ark. But this ark, did not have six and a half million species on it because the word kind actually speaks of type. And what's unique here is that the type speaks of a collective group. So really, whenever you think about it like this, it means that every canine, there were two types. So there were two dogs who came to represent the canine individuals. They give us from our chihuahua all the way to our great Dane, And then there's also two cats who would come to represent the feline type. All the way from your modern house cat, all the way to your tiger. So whenever you begin to look at it in that particular way, as the Bible actually says it, you will discover that it's not millions we're talking about, but rather it is thousands. But what is incredible about the story, it's not simply that he's supposed to build this massive ark, and not simply that all of these animals are going to come to him. What is amazing about the story to me is that Noah doesn't question God. Noah hears from God, Noah tells God what to do, Noah tells God what is going to happen, but he does not question the Lord. Now I want you to think about this. If anybody had reason to doubt the Lord in this particular moment, it was Noah. If anybody had an opportunity to question, it was Noah. Think about his location. It's already been hinted to this morning uh, by James. But his location is around Mesopotamia. He was between two major rivers. There was the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers, but really he was in the dead center of the desert. So God says, build this massive ship right up here in the middle of the desert where there is no water in plain eyesight. There was no ocean close to him, nor was there a massive lake close to him. So you not only think about the reality of his location, but you can also think about the environment. As you study the Old Testament, you'll discover that it had never rained before. Matter of fact, the water came up from the surface of the ground. That's what took care of the vegetation and the plant life. So water had never fallen from the sky. Rain was not even heard of. So here you have Noah listening to God and God says, I'm going to send a massive flood and I'm going to open up the heavens and send rain down and rain from the ground or rather water from the ground. It's going to come and destroy the earth. He is talking about something that Noah has never seen. What's amazing is Noah doesn't question the Lord. And then you think about the fact that Noah wasn't in the shipbuilding business. He had absolutely no background in how to build a massive ark like this. In fact, one commentator says it this way, he had no experience in shipbuilding, no easy access to building supplies, and no help except that of his sons. It's amazing, isn't it? Every single thing God was commanding Noah to do and to accomplish was outside of logical thinking. And what's amazing is that the Bible tells us in verse 22, thus Noah did. According to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Now, John MacArthur notes, and I like this, Noah, who had only a fraction of the divine light that we have, he did not argue, he did not quibble, he did not make excuses, he did not complain, nor did he procrastinate. He did not question God, but simply began to obey him. And for me, that's the amazing thing about Noah. He heard from God, and he obediently uh, did what God called him to do. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Noah in, check this out, in reverence, he prepared the ark. Uh, The word reverence in the book of Hebrews is actually a sign of spiritual devotion. It's a sign of worship. So if you can imagine, with every single board that Noah was cutting, that was an act of worship unto the Lord. With every single caulking that he laid to place those boards together that was an act of worship unto the Lord with all of the teamwork that he had with his family to build the ark that was worship unto the Lord 120 years of sweet worship to God never questioning always obeying Noah was in tune with the Lord now I say to you this morning That whenever you are in tune with the Lord and you obey the Lord with what he's calling you to do, it is always an act of worship. Now here's the deal. You can worship the Lord through your singing, but your worship is not only through your singing, your worship is actually through your obedience. So whenever you are in tune with God and you hear from the Lord and you obey, you are actually giving an opportunity to worship God. And all of us have that when we're in tune with the Lord. So my question for you this morning, eyeball to eyeball, is are you in tune with the Lord? What is the Lord asking you to do? What is the Lord inviting you to do? Now, when I was 16 years old, I got my very first vehicle. It was a red S10 pickup truck. Five-speed in the floor, unbelievable canvas seats. You should have seen it. But it's amazing, when you're young, you guys probably remember it too, when you're a young guy and you get a brand new vehicle, you want to watch that thing like every other day, don't you? You want it to shimmer and shine, you're putting armor all on the tires and on the seat, it's looking sharp everywhere you go. Now this is a time frame when these drive through washing machine for cars came into being. Y'all remember these? They're still out. And I got fired up about that because I'm like, good night, my little arm's so tired. Let me just pay a dollar. And I will drive through this washing machine for my truck. And so I did. I drove through, and you guys know what it's like. Whenever you first go in there, you put it in neutral, and all of a sudden, that massive sponge comes swinging at you. And first time I'd ever seen it, I thought the car was moving. Are y'all listening? I'm like, are we moving? What are we doing? And it comes, and it hits the front windshield, and something happened. I absolutely forgot to take the antenna off of the truck you've done this before anyone in the house that bad boy was swinging everywhere popping against the side of the window and uh, I mean it scared me to death and the worst part is that my radio went static and so and you can't be 16 with a static radio you hearing me and so here I am. I drive through the washing machine, finally get out on the other side. This thing is still static. I'm trying to fix it on the inside. And then I think to myself, maybe the antenna's messed up. So I get out of the truck, I go over. The antenna had actually unscrewed itself because of the power of the washing machine. And I screwed it back in, jumped back in the truck. And finally, Travis Tripp was coming through the radio speakers, right? So I was back to normal. But you know, reality is, you and I are walking with the Lord, and when God speaks, we want to make sure we're in tune with him. If we're not careful, all we will hear is static. And whenever we have disobedience in our life, whenever we are harboring sin in our life or we're harboring bitterness or grudges, we are static before God. So we come before God with a clean heart and we get back in tune with him so we can hear from him so that we can be obedient, so that worship can go up to the Lord. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is amazing, right? You and I cannot praise the Lord properly if we are not obedient to what he's called us to do. So we are in tune with him, we obey him, and worship goes to him. Now you think about this, all right? How do you get back in tune with the Lord? As I was studying this this past week, my mind immediately rushed to the Old Testament where Samuel was being called by the Lord to follow but Samuel had never heard the voice of the Lord, so three times he jumps up out of the bed as a young boy and runs to Eli, who's the priest, and says, Eli, uh, have you called me? And he says, no, no, go back and lay down. And this happened three times. And then he finally says, no, oh, no, no, I know what's happening. The Lord is speaking to you. So go back, lay down, and next time you hear the voice, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He was getting in tune with the Lord. And you and I, listen, there are times in our lives where we just flat need to sit down and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, opening our ears, tuning into God. And as we tune into God, it becomes a game changer in our life. And one of the things that happens whenever we tune into the Lord is that the second principle comes into place. And I love this Noah was fearless before men, fearless before men. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. I have that image right there as the screensaver on my iPad. The righteous are as bold as a lion. That was Noah. Noah feared God more than he feared man. You know, Peter describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness in 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. And you can imagine this, can't you? They You've got Noah out here who hears from God. Noah now is out there building this ark, this massive ship in the middle of the desert. No rain's ever come before. No water's inside. And he's after And People come up and say, "No, what are you doing? And Noah responds, well, God spoke to me. He did what? God spoke to me and God told me to build this massive ark because he's going to flood the entire earth and everybody's going to die. You probably ought to pick up a hammer. You, you've lost it. You are absolutely crazy, Noah. And listen 120 years he built the ark, which was worship unto the Lord. 120 years, Peter says, he was a preacher of righteousness. He was always delivering the message when people asked, he was always sharing with other individuals. It's an amazing fact. William Barclay says, when the sun was shining, his conduct must have looked like that of a fool. Rick Warren says, with no sign of rain year after year, he was ruthlessly criticized as a crazy man who thinks God speaks to him. You can hear the neighbors, right? Hey, hey, Noah's gone off the deep end. Pun intended. Noah's lost it. He's saying God's talking to him. I don't know what he's doing. He's absolutely lost his mind. He's talking about judgment. Nowhere in Scripture. Do we find that Noah ever stopped building or preaching for that matter? Warning people of the judgment that was to come 120 years Now don't you think about this Look at me eyeball to eyeball This is huge Jeremiah in the Old Testament is known as the weeping prophet Because he preached for 40 years with tears in his eyes And not one convert was ever made Noah How much more weeping would he have been? 120 years not one single convert see now just like Noah you and I are also called to warn of the judgment that is to come in fact this morning we don't warn that there's gonna be a great flood but instead we warn that Jesus Christ is coming to judge the living and the dead it's interesting right this past week because I knew I was preaching on Noah one of our devotions Uh, in the evening as a family uh, was actually on Noah so I began to share the story of Noah to my kids and uh, Marley who's only five years old was sitting on the end of the bed as I shared and said and rain came and floods came and destroyed everybody she said not us I said I know I'm talking about an event in history it didn't us she's kept jumping not us we're still alive so I pushed her off the side of the bed and said hush girl I'm trying to tell a story I didn't do that. (laughs) That's uh, good parenting skills, isn't it? But you and I have a very similar message. Go out and we share the judgment of the Lord that is to come. And when we share this, people think we've lost our mind. And whenever we begin to share that there is a way to become safe, there is a way to miss out on the judgment of God. It's to turn to Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sins. He was buried and resurrected. Get in Christ and you can be saved from the wrath that is to come. This is our message. And when we share it, people say, you have lost your mind. I can't tell you how many times I've shared Jesus with individuals. And they looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. They were some individuals who've actually told me, you're nuts. There's no way God would ever do something like that to us. So they reject the message. But listen, if Noah for 120 years remained faithful to the message, how much more faithful should you and I be to the message of Jesus Christ with all of the light that we've been given? We share the message of Christ. And we share it because Jesus promised it was going to happen jesus promised it was coming do y'all remember jesus in the new testament he says check this out and just listen to what he said i love it he says for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of noah did y'all hear that he says in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and they did not understand it until the flood came and took them all away so will the coming of the Son of Man be so you and I who live in a keep God out culture when we faithfully share the message of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit individuals are going to say you've lost your mind they will not believe until it happens but we still share the message so that individuals might respond Uh, Peter knew about it as well you know I thought about that I Before I jump to Peter, it's amazing, right? Jesus says they did not believe the message of the flood until the waters came and swept them away. Now you consider that for just a moment. Jesus was saying they believed the message of Noah when the waters came. There are some individuals who are so hard-hearted, so stiff-necked that they will never turn to Christ. And then when Christ comes, it will be too late. And Peter Says it like this. I, I love how he states that uh, the world at that time was destroyed uh, by flood waters. He's speaking about the flood. Peter, by the way, first and second Peter talks about Noah in both chapters. Noah must have been a hero of Peter's. So he says, the, the water came and flooded the earth. And then the Bible says, Peter writing, but by his word, speaking of God's word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So we've got to be careful that individuals don't assume that because they aren't as bad as somebody else, that they're good to go. Jesus says in Luke's gospel, and listen to what Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me whoever's not with me is against me now i want you to listen because i started thinking about noah i guarantee you there were many people who would rag noah out all day long but at the same time i guarantee you there were some people who lived in the times of noah who could care less about what noah was doing so i said have you heard about Noah?" yeah we heard we don't really care what do you think about noah don't really think about that i'm sure he's a good guy y'all leave the guy alone he's all right uh, what, what do you think about his message? Well, I, I, you know, not a big deal. Not really paying attention to that. When you categorically look at him, I want y'all to pay attention. The individuals who would rag out Noah seem to be against him. But the individuals who were impartial and really didn't care, they weren't for Noah. And there are people today who say, message of Christ, we hate it, want nothing to do with it. And then there's a category of people say, Jesus, yeah, I think he's a pretty good guy. I got no issues with Jesus. I hear what you're saying about the judgment. You know, that's that's for you. That's maybe not for me. But I've got nothing against Jesus. Categorically, if that's their attitude, Jesus says, "Whoever's not with me is against me." So even individuals who think, Jesus, all right, God, but they don't repent and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Judgment is coming for them in the form of fire. It's coming. Whoever's not with me is against me. Noah was fearless before men like a bold lion. And listen, look at me. That's our call. You and I are called to be fearless before men. We share the message of Jesus Christ, the great hope of salvation in our Savior. We do so without fear of man. And what is it that holds so many people back about sharing the message of the gospel? They say, well, I'm afraid I may offend somebody. I'm afraid somebody may think less of me. I'm afraid of what they'll say or what they'll ask. Don't worry about all of those things. The fear of man will choke out the message. Fear God more than man and open your mouth, and you'll be shocked at the roar that comes. Now, if we emulate this, it'll be a game changer in our life. In tune with the Lord, fearless before men. But then there's a third reality. And I want you to know this about Noah Noah passionately led his family. Noah passionately led his family. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us this, check check it out, I want you to listen to it. Are y'all listening? Say yes. This is huge. Noah prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute, all right? Noah prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Noah was the spiritual leader of his family. Noah, this man after God's heart, he received a word from the Lord and then he led his family to obey now i've often thought what well, this must have been like especially as i was studying it this past week and remember whenever you study scripture man try to put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of the one who's going through the ordeal noah sitting there and hearing from god he steps up and goes and you don't think he had to share with his family what was going on hey guys y'all come in here i need y'all to sit down for just a moment we're going to have a meal here together today, but I got something real heavy on my heart. And then Ham speaks up and says, what's on your heart? You know, Ham, he's always trying to steal the spotlight. (laughs) Somebody said, because he's a Ham. God bless you. Hey, guys, listen. Uh, God spoke to me this afternoon, and the Lord told me I was supposed to build this huge ark. Let me show you the specs. I've kind of already drawn it out for you here. and Let me roll this out so he rolls it out. Here's how big it's going to be, so uh, Shem, here's, I'm going uh, to uh, give you this role, Ham going to give you this role, j I need you to do this, I need your wives to help out in this area. He looks to his own wife and says, honey, I, I really need you to support and encourage and I need you to work on this particular part as well. Matter of fact, if you just go out into the woods and get all the wood and bring it in, that'd be great. Some shares. And you've got to imagine, they're sitting there going, dad, this is, What? What do you want us to do? Yeah, fellas, listen. I, I, we're going to build this ark and we're going to be saved. I'm going to, and the, here's what the Bible says The Bible says Noah led his family into the ark. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Noah led his family into the ark. Now, check it out. Are y'all paying attention? Yeah? This is, and by the way, I always thought Noah had like the ultimate leverage in parenting, right? How many times does he have to sit down and tell the story? And Ham says, Uh, Are you sure the Lord spoke to you? Ham, if you say another word, you're not getting on the boat. That's some leverage right there, ain't it? He doesn't say, I'm going to take that hammer away from you. No, no, no. That was all basically made up, all right? I don't want anybody going away saying, Do you know that Noah said? Don't do that, all right? But listen, this is huge, all right? The ark, let me stand up on this one. The ark was actually a foreshadowing of the Christ get on the ark buoyed up under the judgment of God get in Christ buoyed up under the judgment of God in the same way Noah would lead his family on the ark every single man in this building who is a husband you are a spiritual leader and you ought to lead your family to Christ that's the call that's the call and i need you to pay attention all right because i thought about noah there are some things that noah did not do Uh, one i know of noah did not abandon his family noah didn't sit there and say oh my goodness god this is too much responsibility there's no way i can do all of this and just throw everything down and walk out on his family He, he doesn't take that step Real men of God don't walk out on their family. They passionately serve, love, and minister, and lead their family to Christ. But I also know that Noah, he worked. 120 years, he worked. He worked. He worked. God calls the spiritual leader to provide for the family. You know what that means that men ought to be doing? Y'all helped a preacher out this morning. Working. Working. He worked, he worked, he worked. We work to provide. Now, I want you to listen, all right, because this is massive. Noah worked, and it was worship to God. And when you and I work at what God's called us to do, that is worship to the Lord. And it is a way for us to provide for our families. And there are too many individuals in the context of the church at large who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. Who are not only walking out on their families, but they're also walking out on their jobs and not seeking to provide for their family. And Paul says to Timothy, listen, anybody who will not take care of his own household, he is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. How are we supposed to provide for our family and lead our family if we walk out on them? How are we supposed to provide for our family and lead our family if we don't work? Can't. It's amazing right if you think it all the way through those individuals who are not in tune with God Make decisions based upon selfishness and whenever they are selfish the very first To receive the brunt of the selfishness are the ones who live in their home But when we're in tune with the Lord and we are fearless before men we lead our family in a way that honors Christ. God is pleased with this. It's our calling. Now I want you to think, all right? Y'all women say yes? It got quiet when I started talking about go to work and stuff, isn't it? Why don't you to listen to this? Okay, this is this is pretty huge. Individual. He's a man. He hits around 35 years old. He's got a few kids. I'm saying this is, that's me. That's my age. Well, I'm 36. I forget. You forget how old you are when you get old, don't you, James? James says, what did you say? I didn't hear <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> he's 35. All of a sudden, he realizes he's got a mortgage to pay. All of a sudden, he's realizing he's got a family to take care of and the responsibility begins to well up on him so much so that sometimes he cracks because he's trying to do it all on his own so he walks out on his family leaves them completely even heard the story many times where he goes and finds him another woman one who's not attached to any children he moves in with her think about this and the mom and wife sitting at home trying to explain to the children where dad is you know how common that story is unbelievably common who you emulate today will be what you are remembered for tomorrow And listen, you got to pay close attention, all right? Some individuals are going that direction, but I I think to myself, what kind of a man do I want to be? What kind of a leader do I want to be? What do I want my kids to remember about me whenever I grow up? And they grow up. I want them to remember that I pastored a church. Not necessarily. I want them to remember that I pastored them, that I loved them, that I led them, that I didn't abandon them, that I sought to provide for their needs. So what do you want to be remembered for? who are you emulating are you in tune with God are you fearless before man sharing the message just like Noah did with others and I want my sons to be like dad did not give a rip he would share Jesus with anybody And then are you leading your family that's the call copy that that'll be a game-changer Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for our time together this morning, the opportunity to look at the life of Noah. And, Father, how I pray in the name of Jesus for every person in the building today, that you would place your hand upon them, that you would speak to their hearts. Your heads are bowed.